0: Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf and welcome to my podcast, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. In today's podcast, I'm going to be talking about a really serious subject and something that people ask me about a lot, and that is how to help your children. I just read an incredibly good study recently, a 20-year survey on looking at children and the impact of just being a child, going through issues in life, going through adverse circumstances and the impact into adulthood on mental and physical health. And basically 1 in 12 children struggle with depression at some point between the ages of 9 and 16 with girls more likely to be affected than boys. This is a common childhood challenge that unfortunately often goes unnoticed by the adults in the children's lives including parents, teachers, and pediatricians. I want to address this in this podcast today and give you some practical tips about how you can help your child, whether you're a teacher, or a leader, or a pediatrician, or a medical practitioner, or you're working, have some kind of influence on other people in your life, specifically children, how you can make some changes that we can change this situation where 1 in 12 children between the ages of 9 and 16 are battling with extreme anxiety and depression that is going unnoticed. So these children are being left to cope with these challenges alone and transition into teenagerhood and adulthood with issues, and it's impacting their mental and physical health. But before we begin, I am really, really excited that this year we are going to be doing my conference conference, live again last year as you know we had to do it virtually but this year my mental health retreat is alive it is going to be running here in texas dallas texas from the now let me make sure i get everything right for you from the 2nd through the 4th of december it is going to be amazing and my focus or my conference title is basically helping you manage mental health and clean up the mental mess post-COVID, so the post-COVID mental mess or the pandemic mental mess. And one of the topics that I am going to be covering is this how to help our children, how to help our young children or adolescents that transition, what can we do? So today's podcast is a taste of that. And I'm going to be diving deeper into that in the conference, as well as a lot of other incredibly important topics about how to manage the extreme anxiety that has increased over the pandemic. Anxiety has Extreme anxiety has tripled over the pandemic and depression, which is totally understandable considering the nature of the adverse adverse circumstances of the pandemic. So I'm going to be addressing that in my conference as well. And I'll be doing, so I'll be doing sessions on trauma recovery, healing anxiety, unwiring toxic thinking habits, and more. And it's going to be addressed for all ages. I am going to be spending time addressing this with children. We have amazing and very powerful guest speakers, clinical psychologists, and and leaders in the field helping to talk about these topics. We also have VIP workshops. We have swag bags, so much more. And we will be offering CMEs and CEUs. So early bird tickets are available till July 30th early bird tickets at an amazing price so don't wait go get your tickets now go to drleadconference.com and all the details are there i'll put that link in the show notes so that you can also go and just go straight through to the conference and book your ticket and i'll see you there okay so just a reminder this podcast is for educational purposes and is not medical advice so if you need medical advice please speak to the appropriate medical professional and now back to today's podcast Okay, so I have in my hands here something called a metacog. You can see it looks like a little, kind of like a mess. (laughs) And a metacog, for those of you that are doing my NeuroCycle, and those of you that have my most recent book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. So if you either are working from my book, new book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, or the NeuroCycle app, or both, and you're doing the NeuroCycle, the third step that you do is a writing step, and it's called a metacog. And a metacog is something that I developed over 38 years ago and have done extensive research clinically in clinical, clinical application and clinical research to develop a system that you can really get your thoughts together and dig down deep into your wise mind, into your non-conscious mind and find those things in our non-conscious mind and our brain that are really driving us. So all those things that have happened, all the experiences that we have, of, have that are stored in our non-conscious mind that are influencing us. The NeuroCycle is helping you to find those and deconstruct and reconstruct. And making a MetaCog is part of the third step. Making a MetaCog is also a fantastic way of brain building. So you can use the NeuroCycle to detox and to brain build. And I use it for my brain building. So when I prepare for a podcast, I prepare it on a MetaCog. So I wanted to show you that today because I normally do it on my computer. I use a program on my computer or I do it by hand. But I did this one by hand. So I wanted to show it to you. And I'll be referring to that as I talk to guide me, So it's a fantastic way for building knowledge into your head and using it to actually teach information to other people really makes your brain work hard and increases your intelligence and increases brain resilience and brain health. So why not learn how to use it? As I said, it's in my book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, my latest book, which is available wherever books are sold and on my website. And it's also in my NeuroCycle app. Wherever you see NeuroCycle, you're going to find the, the Metacog is the third step. There's also a video in the app. Okay, so to get back to today's podcast, this is quite serious. Okay, so one in 12 children are battling with extreme symptoms of anxiety and depression between the ages of 9 and 16, and actually younger. It's more in girls, okay, and this often goes unnoticed by adults, teachers, pediatricians, leaders. Do you know that only 3% of leaders are talking about mental health and noticing mental health? And when we talk about children, a leader would be for example a teacher in a classroom a principal of a school a leader in a community kind of setting any medical health professional any mental health professional parents these are leaders for you leading other people only 4% of churches for example are talking and religious organizations are talking about mental health so i mean this is this is an area that's not being spoken about and our children are going unnoticed and we know children kind of seem to bounce back from issues because they kind of seem to pull their lives together and kind of bounce back. And that is almost a dangerous assumption that we're making. I know when I was practicing as a therapist, which I did for over 25 years, that when we had a child with a traumatic brain injury, that the actual physical damage that would happen and put them into, you know, into hospital for a period of time and so on, they seem to physically bounce back quicker than an adult. So there was a lot of assumptions made about how they are recovering. Child, A child recovers more quickly. But then we would see what we call a subtle learning disability starting to manifest in certain different age groups and certain different periods at school. And that was directly tracked back to the traumatic brain injury. So they physically had recovered, but there was these latent effects and a lot of them were emotional learning, et cetera, that needed to be managed. So we've got to stop making the assumption that, oh, our kids seem to be fine. They seem to be getting through. We've got to be very careful of that because if a child has experienced something, they are and they and they don't depending on their age, if they are under twelve, they're not going to have much language to be able to analyse and express that. So the younger they get, the more difficult as we know it is. And then also from the age of thirteen through twenty-four is the most difficult season of the entire our entire life cycle. And it's also incredibly difficult to process emotions at that age as well. Yes, they're much more able to express themselves and self-analyze and so on, but there's a lot of things going on with hormones and with just the brain development and the whole psychoneurobiology in that particular age that is all about, you know, the, uh, what other people think about me. And, and you know, there's, so there's a lot of distortion that happens in, in perceiving certain situations. So it's vitally important that we don't let anxiety, depression, mind issues go unnoticed because it's happening way too often. This 20-year study has and this is one of many studies, and I've picked on this study because it's really good and it's just been released recently and it was done over a long period of time, and it's consistently confirming that the majority of children's issues are going unnoticed. Now, it doesn't mean that it's intentional. I mean, we love our kids. We want to help them. But we not we don't have systems in place. We not we, we it's it's a lack of education. It's a lack of knowing what to do and how to do it. And the impact is there. The evidence is there. There's a lot and a lot of research showing that adverse child experiences, called ACEs, impact mental and physical health. A lot of evidence of that in the literature. it's Spoken about quite extensively, and that is a really good thing. But the fact that it's still going, that the majority of kids are still going unnoticed means that we're not applying this sufficiently. We're not doing enough, okay? So I'm just going to quickly read from the study, and I'm just going to read something that is very, very interesting. Depression in youth between the ages of 10 and 24 years is both a leading cause of stress and a possible risk factor for future diseases and impairment. Now, that's very significant, and there's a lot of, Research showing the link between psychoneurobiology, in other words, our mind, our brain, and our body. And what this is essentially saying is that there is a very direct link between what a child goes through and their their physical impact on their body and how that affects their future mental health. And I mean, just in my recent clinical trials, which are in my book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, and we're busy publishing papers now, and there's a white paper, you you know, you can go to my site, I'll put these links in the paper, we showed that, that when, when your mental health is not managed, when your mind is not managed, and you feel out of control, and you feel unempowered, and you feel like you don't have agency, which is what a lot of kids do feel when they're young, they feel like they don't have any agency, they don't have any control, because they're still learning from the adults. When you feel like that, that has an immediate impact on every system of your brain and your body, of every system of your body, including your brain, because the mind is driving the brain. The mind and the brain are separate. They're not the same thing. It's with our mind that we experience these experiences and convert those experiences into physical structures inside of our brain, the thought trees that look like physical thought trees, but they also affect our DNA. So as soon as you have this experience with your mind, it's in your mind. So there's the experience in the environment, the adverse experience, your mind, you. Your mind is you, how you think, feel, and choose. You're experiencing that. You're feeling it. There's the data, the input, the emotions, what's going on. And that's being received by your mind. You're thinking, feeling, and choosing. That generates this energy through the brain. And that experience is converted into a physical structure. So a physical thought tree with all the memories of that, that, that issue. And it's a toxic-looking tree, which is why I always use this toxic tree to explain this. So the root part is the experience, and this is made of proteins, and you've heard me say this before, but you really can't hear this enough, honestly, that we are converting with our mind, our kids are converting every experience they have into these protein structures with their mind, and and as they build, as the experience goes in the root part, the interpretation of it is in the branches part. So they're age is limited whatever age they are so they have a limited understanding of how to make sense of this and how do you make sense of anything adverse it doesn't make sense so they just try to cope and in that coping it affects how they think and feel and choose about themselves so they build this into this brain into their brain and immediately as this is built into the brain the branches being all the details the memories this is the thought so the thought is the single concept and the branches are all the memories attached to it the details what happened the feelings that the the emotions, the, the noises, the touches, the everything is all in here and then the interpretation is there. So that's all the data is in this. And if it's repeated, then more and more keep getting added and that distorts the interpretation. So this becomes extremely distorted. And this then manifests in how a person is, is in, in acting and how what they're doing, what they're saying, how they're behaving, etc. So... This is happening in the environment and it's converting into the brain. Now, this is toxic and the brain recognizes this is toxic. So does the body. So the brain tries to fight this. But if this is not dealt with, if a child's not able to process this, if it's going unrecognized in the environment by the parents and the teachers and the pediatricians and the leaders and the church leaders and so on, then this stays there. And then the child does whatever they can to cope. And because this is not a healthy pattern, it's not a healthy thought like this one, The way that they cope is going to manifest in signals. And those signals will be uh, depression, anxiety, behavioral issues, frustration, aggression, lack of sleeping, insomnia, bedwetting, fighting with brothers and sisters, um, being difficult at school, educational problems, crying a lot, withdrawing, all those behavior patterns, all those signals. And there's different types of signals, behavior, what they're doing, behavior pattern signals emotional pattern signals, perspective pattern signals, how they're looking at life. I hate school. I hate my friends. I don't want to go there. You know, they, 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 What's their mindset? What's their perspective? That's a warning signal. They're physical. Are they complaining a lot of, of stomach ache, or this, of this ache, of that ache? Are there things that they're experiencing that make them, is there a lot of physical stuff going on in their body? So you've got to look at all those different signals of how they are manifesting as patterns And that's telling you something about what's going on because these are producing those. So this is a product that produces something and that's how the child is turning up in their environment in terms of, as I've said, emotional warning signals, behavioral warning signals, physical warning signals, and perspective warning signals. And what we have to do is notice those and help our kids process those. And make sense of them and help them to reconceptualize them so that we can help them talk it through. Your mental health is and should be a priority. I learned this from my friend, Dr. Daniel Amen, who is a renowned psychiatrist, neuroscientist, and founder of Amen Clinics. The Amen Clinics are unique because they use a comprehensive and holistic approach, including brain spec imaging, to treat mental health issues. I visited an AMEN clinic and seen Dr. AMEN in action, and I was able to see for myself how brain scans show that many mental health conditions, such as ADD, anxiety, and depression, are often not caused by just one thing. That's why giving everyone the same treatment will never work. So you can get a treatment plan that's targeted to your needs. I love that the doctors at AMEN clinics use natural therapies wherever possible. To find out how you can change your brain and change your life, visit amenclinics.com forward slash DrLeaf. If you book, you'll get 10% off an evaluation when you use the promo code Dr. 10 at checkout. The link and offer details will also be in the show notes. But what's happening according to the research is that these adverse childhood experiences, these things that are potentially happening chronically, which is a lot, and the acute ones which happen like a burst of stuff that's happening, Need to be noticed, but they're not being noticed sufficiently. So then a child just is trying to cope, and then they, you know, they go, they get older and so on, and the transition from, from childhood and from young childhood to later child, middle childhood to, to adolescence, to teenagerhood, teenagerhood, to adulthood. Each transition period brings with it its own challenges. But is there any education happening around that? So on top of all of this, there's the transitions. And maybe addition, and not maybe, definitely additional levels of trauma that the person is going through because as a human, you do go through trauma. Some of it's really bad and some of it's not so bad. But life is filled with trauma experiences. Nothing works perfectly. No one is making perfect decisions all the time and we get impacted and our children are being impacted. So we're in this kind of messiness of environments. But are we teaching our children how to repair and grow? And according to the research, we're not. And we've seen this playing out in physical changes in the brain and the body and an increasing cumulative level of weakness. So, in other words, if you, for example, are having, have got this, a child has got this kind of experience and it's cumulative and they're not dealing with it, this sends a message from the brain that that, that toxic tree in the brain and that toxic energy waves of the mind also to every cell of the brain and body. And the brain and body have got uh, somewhere between. 37 and 100 trillion cells. So immediately the DNA is affected and the DNA is made of chromosomes and chromosomes have things called telomeres. So if you imagine a chromosome looks like a little X, I'm crossing my fingers to show that and my my fingernails, which happen to be painted pink, are telomeres just to give you a visual analogy. So you could cross your fingers if you're listening and look at your fingernails as telomeres and the way those telomeres play a massive role in your cell health, in your body health. And cumulatively over time, if we constantly are bombarded by a chronically stressed environment, in other words, constant adverse experiences or unmanaged adverse experiences or unrecognized or not being able to process an experience, one of the many things that will happen is your telomeres will become weaker. So the more or less million cells that you make every second, which then make up all the organs and systems of your body, over time get weaker and weaker. So by the time the child's transition through to adulthood, and still hasn't been dealt with, their telomeres are not functioning very well, so their body health is affected. So the vulnerability of the body has increased dramatically. So now their chance of getting heart issues and autoimmune problems or gut issues or whatever, I mean, there's it, it a multitude, as we know, of things that can go wrong in our body are going to start manifesting. In addition to the mind hasn't been managed, and our mind is everything without... If you're dead, you don't have mind. Mind is the difference between being alive and dead. Mind is driving this physical process. So if our mind's not being managed and not being helped to manage our mind, and we've got all this messy mind activating a mess in our brain and our body, by the time you get to adulthood, is it a surprise that there is an increase in mental health issues, physical issues, criminality, all kinds of stuff in adulthood? You know, we, we are not doing a good good enough job with our children. And, as, and we, we've got we've to got address this. And those are, those are some of the things that I'm going to talk about. I'm going to make some very practical suggestions. I just want you to understand that. So going back to this point, depression in youth between the ages of 10 and 24 years is both the leading cause of stress and a possible risk factor for future diseases and impairment. And now a study confirms that depression in childhood or adolescence is, is associated with higher levels of adult anxiety and substance use abuse disorders, worse health and social functioning, less financial and educational achievement, and increased criminality. So then look at that. Now suddenly they're sick, they're battling financially, they're battling academically, and they're just seen as a problem person. But we've got to look at what happened and have we allowed them to process the stuff? And the research, this research plus my research plus many other scientists' research is showing that we have to address these issues. We have to educate. We have to explain what I've been explaining with these trees. We have to be able to get systems in place. When you do what you love, like running, like racing, like enjoying the great outdoors, you want to do it for life. Inside Tracker can help. Inside Tracker was founded in 2009 by leading scientists in aging, genetics and biometrics. Using their patented algorithm, Inside Tracker analyzes your body's data to provide you with a clear picture of what's going on inside of you and to offer you science-backed recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes. Then Inside Tracker tracks your progress every day, every step of the way towards reaching your performance goals and living a longer, healthier life. For a limited time, you can get 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com, Dr. leaf. The link and details will be in the show notes. Now, we all recognize this. So why aren't we doing it? Maybe we just don't know how to get really practical with doing this. And that's what I'd like to do. But before I dive in, I just wanted to quickly mention, I think I've covered all of this. Let me quickly check yep, on my Metacog here. Okay, so, oh yes, another point that I wanted to bring up is that Early diagnosis, mental health diagnosis, so giving a child a diagnosis of clinical depression or oppositional defiance disorder or something. So these diagnoses that are used in the DSM, early diagnosis and treatment doesn't really help that much. So, and I'm talking about the, and when I say it doesn't help, what I'm saying is that giving a person a label and a drug is actually not solving the problem. It's actually making it worse. It's not a panacea to say, okay, now we've got to have early diagnosis and we've got to have early treatment because what does that mean? If we mean we're going to increase the diagnostic label, we're going to give someone, we're going to have systems in place where we bring these people in and we just kids in and we just label them and we're just going to add drugs to their regimen. That's not going to address the need. We we, we are putting a bandaid on a bullet wound. And those drugs are not safe for kids. Psychotropic drugs, there's so much research, and I'll do another whole program on that. But, and we will be discussing this as well in the December conference. And all the stuff I'm discussing now, we're going to go into in depth in my December conference from the 2nd to the 4th. The link in details will be in the show notes. We can't just give them a drug because these drugs change the brain. So, you know, and that adds, and not in a good way. So now you're adding fuel to the fire. We have to change everything that we're doing. Okay, so now let's get into the practical. And and this is just an overview walkthrough. This is obviously a huge topic. And as I said, I'm really going to dive into this in future podcasts in more depth in the conference. But there are some things that we can start doing immediately. And the immediate thing is we've got to start changing the way we educate ourselves and our children about mental health. This is an absolute essential thing. Prior to the pandemic, there was already a trend noticed that people were dying younger, between eight to twenty-five years younger than they should. For years, we've been living longer, and the age group most affected is is twenty-four to sixty-five. And now Gen Z is also being tremendously affected, and the prediction is that they'll die very young as well. And and also, in addition to that, having a mental health label in puts you into that twenty-five side of that dying younger. And now with COVID, it's chopped another two years off. And scientists are very, very worried about this. With our advances in medicine and technology, we've got these people that are dying younger from preventable lifestyle diseases. So we've got to look at this whole thing. We're in an environment. We are humans in environments. We are affected by environments. Kids are humans in environments affected by the environments. And it is affecting how their brain and body and mind are functioning. So we've got to address that, okay? So we know there's a problem, we've got to address that. So we've got to educate. Education is like number one. And who and how? Who do we have to educate? We have to educate parents to help them to understand what is happening in their own brains with trauma so that they can be authentic with their own trauma and process their own trauma because you as a parent, when you model how you are managing your mental health and you're honest and authentic, you then set up a model for your child. So you're giving a message to your child, whether they're young, whether they're a teenager, adolescent, young adult, you are sending the message through that, hey, even as an adult, I battle and that is okay. Life is filled with adverse challenges and traumas, but this is what I'm doing to cope. And it's okay to get upset. It's okay to cry. Just recently I did a podcast on crying and the benefits of crying. It was so popular. Go listen to that one if you haven't yet listened. We've got to cry. Don't be scared to cry in front of your children. Don't be scared to say to your children, I am so sad. I am so upset. I am devastated because of. Not I am clinically depressed. What does that say? It doesn't tell you anything. But if you say, I am feeling so depressed because of this and this and this and you give the reasons. and then you say, this is what I'm going to do about it. I'm going to change I, I can't change what's happened, but I can change how I'm going to process this and I'm going to work on on, on on seeing it in a different way and I'm going to make a change how I don't want this to influence how I'm functioning in the future, but first I have to process it. You can't just shove this down. Do you know that when you've gone through something traumatic and you just shove it down, it makes it worse it gets worse. So there's a stronger immune reaction in your brain and your body. There's stronger messages from your non-conscious mind, your brain and your body, which are way ahead of your conscious awareness. And they are always working to keep the balance in you and in your children. So when you go through stuff, your non-conscious mind is working with your brain and your body to send you messages to pay attention, pay attention, process this, process this, deconstruct it and reconstruct it, or you're going to get mentally and physically unhealthy. And so we need to tune in. We need to teach ourselves to tune in. So we need to educate ourselves as parents and adults and leaders about our own emotions to process them and then model that to our kids. And that's what I do with my work. That's what Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, my podcast, my books, my app, all of this. I'm starting a a neurocycle lab where I'm going to coach, which will be through the app where I'll be coaching you through how to deal with these things and educate you on how to manage this process. But we need to do that. So number one is educate yourself as an adult. Because you influence children in some way. You may think, I don't touch anyone, any child's life. But you're an adult and there's some, maybe you're a teacher, parent. Maybe you don't work directly with kids. But, you know, the way you you talk maybe is going to influence someone else in your work environment who's got four kids who can't manage or six kids or one child. And by you saying this is how you manage your emotions, they then learn from you. They then teach their kids. You just don't know the impact when you educate yourself. In addition to that, and when I say what how do you do that, there's resources. My podcast, my books, my app teach you how to educate yourself. There's also going on social media, there's some amazing therapists and psychologists that are putting out fantastic content that you can learn from. And I've interviewed some of the top on my podcasts. So you can learn so much. You can really educate yourself. And in educating yourself, you can educate and model that to the children in your lives, to the teenagers in your life. You know, just as an aside, an incredible study was done where they asked teenagers, it was a big meta-analysis done over a period of time and different countries, and they asked teenagers, what do you want most from the adults in your life? And their answer was the following, for them to listen, for them to listen. So, you know, this is some let's listen to our kids. Let's listen to what they need. They need to be listened to. They don't need to be Preached at. they don't need to be invalidated we shouldn't say oh well that you'll get through that or man up or you know deal with it or it'll get it's not so bad we need to honor and validate a person's emotions yours included and your children and that's really what i'm saying is is all about education then one of the other things that we can do immediately is once we educate ourselves we can educate our children and there's many ways we can educate our children Number one, I'm gonna start with the easiest and then get to the more difficult. Number one is that you modeling, okay? So you learn, so you model, whether you the teacher, the pediatrician, the medic, mental health professional, the therapist, the teacher, big sister, whatever. Okay, auntie, uncle, work colleague. So it's educating yourself so that you can educate your children and explain. And then it's actually having Fixed classes. So yes, you can do it yourself, but why don't we take it to the next level and have organized group classes where we educate ourselves in churches. Only one in four, only 4% of churches are talking about mental health. I get invited to talk all over the world in all different kinds of environments. Churches, neuroscience, conferences, I train physicians, I talk in government, educate all over the place, education, government, etc. And 3% of leaders and 4% of adults are talking about mental health. Meanwhile, every single human is battling with mental health. If you're alive, you've got a mind. Your, your mind is your aliveness. Life is full of adverse experiences. Your mind is how you experience them. You're experiencing trauma. You've, you're battling with anxiety and depression to different degrees. Not everyone is in extreme states of anxiety and depression, but we all experience those emotions because they're normal warning signals from our brain and our body and our mind telling us that something's wrong. They're not mental illnesses. They are basically hugely important because your mind is driving everything. It's your aliveness. So it's 99% of who you are. Your brain and body does nothing without your mind. So your mind is what's experiencing this stuff. Your mind is where the signals are, where you become aware of the signals. With your mind, you become aware of your emotions your depression, anxiety, the patterns of depression, the patterns of anxiety, your behavior patterns, withdrawal, irritability, unfriendliness, whatever it may be, and your, your physical symptoms. It's with your mind, you become aware of your physical symptoms. With your mind, you become aware of your emotional warning signals. With your mind, you become aware of your physical warning signals. With your mind, you become aware of your behavioral warning signals. With your mind, you become aware of your perspective warning signals. With your mind, you become aware of the patterns. Teach this to our kids. Tell them it's okay. It's okay to be messy. Life is messy. It's all about experimenting. We don't know what's coming up in the next moment. Okay, so we can can have fixed classes. We could have classes teaching this. So instead of only 4% of churches and 3% of leaders talking about this, we could increase this. So we could have classes in libraries, in any kind of community center, in churches. There's so many small groups and everything. We need to be educating about mental health and about your mind and about mind management. You've got systems and structures in churches where you have people on platforms talking about bring speakers. I go into churches, as I mentioned, bring speakers in to talk about mental health. In school, bring speakers in to talk about mental health. In libraries, have community talks. In YMCA's. there's so many practical places. I've made a list here of, I think I've covered them. Schools, community, churches, libraries, YMCA's—so have educational groups. The next thing that's a little bit more difficult, but we have to institute it, is in schools from kindergarten. I taught this. My youngest patients were two and three years of age. I have four adult kids; they've been learning this since they were babies. You can teach a child from young through play therapy, etc. And I've got lots of books and programs and things coming out through my Neurocycle app that are for, for from tiny kids all the way through. Okay, so but there are programs effective programs out there but we need to educate right from kindergarten all the way through school to high school and beyond into university and into the workplace we need to have classes so as you have PE and you have physical education we need mental health education we need to allocate a block of time there needs to be a weekly teaching a class where children learn about their mind and their brain and their mind brain body connection. And it's okay to how to process an emotion and what are emotions and what are these signals and what do you do about them? And what is childhood trauma and how does it impact us? We need to be educating classes. There's so much information out there. I mean, if you are in a school or linked to a school or a parent, go just, I do talks. I do talks. All over the place. There's Zoom technology. I can't get to every single person. But there's also a lot of other people that just go on social media that are potentially in your actual neighborhood that could come into your school and start teaching groups, parent education groups, teacher education groups. There should be teacher training. I trained teachers for years in this stuff. You know, so I do it. You can contact us. We do it through through Zoom. And also through in-person as well, going and educating teachers, educating parents. But those are the groups. But we've got to get this in as a classroom. The kids need it. Not just a one-off visit from a le- visiting lecture. Yes, sure, that's a start. But that's, that's not enough. We need to have it as an ongoing thing. Not just a one-off visit. You want this as an ongoing thing. So we've got to fight and legislate to actually get this as part of the school curriculum. And you can go as a parent. Or if you're a teacher or if you're a headmaster, if you're in a position of power... Build it into your curriculum. You can change something around, take something out, put this in. Mental health should be something that every single child gets at least one session a week, and make sure that you have guidance counselors and and people in your environment to be able to do that, to be able to support the children and the teachers, teachers and the children and the leaders. All of us. We all in this together. Now you might be thinking, how on earth do we have the money for that in these schools? There doesn't isn't enough money for this. You can do something that is a concept that was started in in Zimbabwe called bench, bench Therapy, Zimbabwe is where I was born. It was a project initiated by grandmothers and it was picked up by King's University in Harvard and a study was done on it and I did a version of it, my own adapted version, in South Africa for years and I called it basically just family therapy. But essentially it is bringing in the people in the environment that and that can then facilitate and help. So in Zimbabwe what they did was they got these grandmothers these, well, they found this, there was one village and one tribe where this grandmother used to sit on this log and everyone with problems would just come and talk to her and she would listen and the wisdom of age help give another perspective. So they were getting it out and not stuffing it down. The big thing is you want to get it out. As soon as you're aware of something, and you start talking about something, you weaken these protein bonds and then you can, when they're weaker, you can change them. This is neuroplasticity. The mind changes the brain. The brain doesn't change itself. It's the mind and it takes other people. It's not about you, it's about you and your environment. So by talking to this granny, these people were bringing these things up and they were processing them. They were embracing them and processing and reconceptualizing and deconstructing and reconstructing. And, and that is what we need to be doing from very, very young. So we could bring grandmothers, p- parents that are not working into the schools and you could have bench therapy. You could have a period of time so that people that don't have jobs people that are maybe retired, could come into the school and facilitate this process. They can be educated, go through some uh, training, there's there's podcasts, there's books, there's my book teaches you how to do this. It's not difficult to bring the community into the school, the community like the grandparents and the parents that aren't working, and they can then become part of the school, they can get a little bit of training and they can be there to talk to the kids to help them to process and to reconstruct and to to deconstruct and reconstruct the, what's going on in their lives to help them to process? Today I had a really bad day. I mean, the teacher's so busy they can't hear about it, but the teacher notices the pattern in the child that they had, they're having a bad day, that they're really sad today. So whoever's on duty, you call them, say, "Okay, do you want to go and talk to Granny?" Whoever, and then you arrange for that child to go and sit with that granny and just to talk and process through this happened and that happened, and you know, and teaching you teaching them how to become aware of the signals. That's what the neurocycle does. You can teach them in the basic principles of the neurocycle. You can use trees, and you can say, "Okay, well, we can see all these little smoke signals of anger and frustration, and you're very quiet today and you're very angry today. And you know, what are you thinking? And and let's write that down. Let's draw pictures, and let's try and find the root of the tree. So there's many, and I've got lots of teachings on that. So there's that's what you could see in the child out to go and do that. Instead, and, and you know that that this whole process of learning this. The child can then go and sit with that granny and talk this through. And if they've also got a class that they're learning about these things, the child doesn't have to try and cope with this challenge on their own. They know if they're going through a challenge, okay, I'm learning in this class on mental health that this is okay. It's okay to make a mess that I'm great. I'm fantastic. But things happen to me and then I react and and my body and brain are telling me stuff and my sadness is telling me something. So they get educated and then they can go talk to either the guidance counselor or the Bench therapy person and talk it through and process it through. Because if they're sitting in your class or they're sitting in class and they're totally upset, then nothing's going in anyway. They're not processing that lesson. There's enough research to show that when you're totally emotionally challenged and you're totally upset, you're not processing how to do mathematics and science. You know, you're losing that. So now on top of the emotional stuff that's accumulating, there's also the educational side. Going to doctor appointments are one of those necessary but so annoying things that we just have to do. A friend of mine recently suggested I check out Plush Care and wow, what a game changer. Plush Care's primary care physicians are here for you seven days a week to help you start feeling better as soon as possible. In addition to handling ongoing and urgent care, they also treat a wide range of common mental health issues like anxiety, depression, stress, or even trouble sleeping. So if you're feeling down, worried, or not like yourself, you can book a same-day appointment and see a Plush Care doctor right from the comfort of your home using your phone or computer. They'll discuss treatment options with you and have your prescription sent to your local pharmacy as needed. Plush care accepts most major insurance carriers and is available in all 50 states. Plush care makes it easier than ever to take care of yourself inside and out. Start your membership today. Go to plushcare.com slash Leaf to start your free 30-day trial. That's p-l-u-s-h-c-a-r-e dot com slash drleaf for a 30-day free trial. plushcare.com slash drleaf. The link and details will be in the show notes. So these are very practical things that we could immediately institute. You could immediately today go to your school if you're a parent, go to your principal if you're a teacher, if you're a leader in your, in your school, your community. You could go and start instituting Let's Start a Parent Evening Mental Health Workshop every single week or every single month. I'd love it every single week. Let's change our curriculum to include mental health teaching. Let's get hold of materials. Let's get hold of professionals like myself and others to to maybe start initiating initially doing these via Zoom or whatever to make it more practical. It's a super practical way of getting things done. You know, you could set that into your build that into your calendar. If not, if you think it's not important enough, or if you think it's not it's 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 too there's too many other things to do sacrifice something because if your mind is not right, everything else is a mess anyway. And you're going to play catch up with a child who's got emotional problems and who's playing up because they don't know what to do with themselves and they haven't had a chance to to process this. The evidence is there. One in 12 children are battling and this is going unchallenged. And I would change this to say one in 12 children are battling with extreme anxiety and depression. 100% 100% of children are battling with their emotions because we are emotional beings. We're battling with the adverse circumstances of life. No child goes through a whole school day without some sort of challenge. Whether it's a teacher shouting at them, whether it's someone who said something on social media, whether it's someone who stole their lunch, whether it's someone who just said something nasty. Children are notoriously nasty to each other. Something happened and they need to know, it's okay if I feel, if I feel like this. It's not me that's bad. Remember, a child doesn't understand what's going on. So they're immediately going to think, I'm bad. I did something wrong. I caused this. No, you are beautiful. You are amazing. Just recently, I did a podcast on identity. that was so, so popular as well. We've got to teach ourselves and our children that you're amazing. You are incredible. You're wired for love. You're brilliant. You can do something that no one else can do. But bad bad things happen. Adverse things happen. And then that affects you. And it goes in your brain. And it changes how you function. And then you get all these signals. And those signals are you getting grumpy and irritated and aggressive and sad and depressed and these patterns come. But that doesn't mean you're a bad person. That means you've gone through something. So let's be thought detectives. Let's educate ourselves. Let's come together as community and help each other in the schools, in the churches, in the YMCA's, in the libraries. Get these bench therapy educational concepts going. There is so much information accessible and there's technology. We really can make a difference let's change this let's not let our kids grow into adulthood with no one helping them process through their issues you know the research also shows that it's the acute bouts of extreme anxiety are easy to pick up so your child's happy and everything's fine and then there's a period where there's there's something happens something acute happens maybe they lose a friend or you move towns or it's the transition between different grades And they change dramatically. So there's an acute situation and you see a period of depression. Now, that's kind of easier to see and to help through because it's more obvious. The problem is that the chronic states where it's ongoing, where people are in a chronically stressed environment, You know, this constant social aggression or constant racial aggression where the environment's chronically stressed, which will immediately increase hypertension, put you at risk for strokes, mental issues, mind issues, et cetera. When the chronic stuff that children are going through, the repeated bullying, the repeated abuse, the repeated teasing, the repeated social media stuff, that is having a massive impact on how children are growing into adulthood and how, they, how they're transitioning. And that's not being addressed sufficiently. We're not recognizing that because we're just kind of saying, oh, they're a moody child. But that's not who anyone is. If someone's moody, there's a reason. If they, if they are moody, there's a reason for that. Yes, you can have quiet kids, but someone who's moody and, oh, that person's always aggressive. No, they're not always aggressive. They, that aggression is not a wired for love trait. That aggression is a signal that something's going on. So we need to become thought detectives as adults and help our kids become thought detectives. I think I've made my point, And as I said, I'm going to be diving this into this in detail. And I cannot encourage you enough to get educated in this. Listen to these podcasts. Read my books. As this is my latest one, cleaning up your mental mess. Get the neurocycle app. We've got little mini neurocycle guides there to help you, help give your child, help your child with anxiety. Come to this conference, find someone in your area. Take to heart these suggestions that I'm making. And let's help our children with their mental health so they can grow into Adults who understand that mental health battles are normal, it's okay to be messy. We are all kind of experimenting through life. But how to manage it? Let's not let our kids grow into adulthood with unmanaged minds, which is what the research is showing me doing. And let's teach them how to manage their minds. And let's teach ourselves. And let's do this together. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful.